Today on the program, I'm going to play a talk I gave to the employees of Trivago back in 2019. Please continue to support the podcast by sharing it with a friend. This is how you can help me get the word out to spread the reach of the program so I can continue to bring you these episodes and also the guests that come on the show. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please make a donation. Help support the expenses of the program. You can go to the storyofmepodcast.com and on the contact page, there's a donate button and make a contribution to help support the show. You can also go to the podcast website to submit your questions to be answered on the program or connect with me on all social media. Okay, so let's get to it. Beautiful am I Bountiful am I Blissful am I Why? Welcome to the story of me with Amarjit Singh. This is where my guests and I share personal stories from our life and explore the psychological insights that were learned from these experiences. Each story will entertain you as well as increase your understanding of your own psychological patterns. Then, through the principles of yoga psychology, you will learn how to overcome the resistance that is holding you back from living a more fulfilling life. Join me every Tuesday for a new episode where I share my experiences in psychological understanding, interview guests, and answer listener questions. Now let's get started with the podcast that awakens your inner power through awareness and understanding. Welcome to the show. For new listeners, my name is Amarjit Singh and I am your host, for all listeners, welcome back. It's good to have everyone today. I hope you are all doing well. Today on the podcast, I thought I would share a talk I gave at Trivago Company. I was invited there back in 2019 to give a talk on authenticity. And so I went to their offices in Mallorca, Spain, which, uh, of course, Mallorca is a beautiful place to be. And I had a nice talk with their employees on what it means to be authentically you. And so today I thought I would share that with you. If you're interested, there is actually video of this talk on YouTube, and I'll put links in the episode description so that you can watch this if you'd like, or you can just listen to it. And you can also go to episode 24, where I had the founder of Trivago on the podcast, Rolf Schrumgens, and uh, we had a nice conversation about sustainable leadership. The quality of the audio on the talk is not the greatest, and there were some times where the uh, people asked questions and it was difficult to hear their questions because they weren't mic'd, but hopefully I think in some of them I repeat the question or or you can hear a little bit of it. So again, uh, if you'd like, you can go to YouTube and watch the video, or you can just listen here. So enjoy the talk I gave called Authentically You to the employees of Trivago Corporation in Mallorca. 
Today we're going to talk about what it means to be authentic. Right? We hear this word a lot in life, especially if you're doing yoga. This is a popular word. And even in your company, you use authentic. And from the perspective of yoga psychology, we're going to, we're going to talk about this. And so if you have any questions as we're going along, feel free to interrupt me and we can, we can have a discussion about it. Otherwise, you can hold it to the end, whatever you like. To begin with, though, we need to understand what is yoga psychology and what is this, this perspective that we're looking at, which is, is rather unique. And so the first question in yoga psychology is, who are you? Right? And this is a question everyone asks themselves from different perspectives in different ways. And we ask this to ourselves unknowingly by the way we move through life, by the way we try to find joy or gratification. Because when we don't have the correct perspective, we create a life of suffering. And so what is the correct perspective to eliminate the suffering and to understand the essence of who you are and what you're here to do? And so again, I ask this question, who are you? And what is the answer that comes to your mind? Is it this physical body? Is it the mind? Or is there something beyond this? Right? In yoga psychology, we say we are not the body, we are not the mind. And we are this consciousness which is illuminating this experience. When we have this opposite view that we are the mind, that we are the body, we start to suffer because the mind and the body changes, right? We gain weight, we get wrinkles on the face, our hair turns different colors, and we start to, to, to desire to look a different way or to be a different way or to feel a different way. And this is what causes all suffering, is this desire for something else or this aversion from what you're experiencing. And so when we look beyond this, we say we are the consciousness that's illuminating this experience and that we aren't this physical body and we aren't the mind, but we are this, this consciousness navigating this experience through this vehicle. And often, even in yoga, people understand this, but they only understand this in a, a very intellectual way because they read about it or they've been told this and so they believe it but they may even say that they know this but if you look at their lives you realize that they don't know this truly they know it intellectually but they don't know it experientially and this is really the only way to know something is to experience it Right? We could know something by what someone is telling us, what we read in a book, or what our clever minds can deduce. But in actuality, this is not true knowing. True knowing comes from this experience. And the way to experience 
ourselves beyond the mind and the body is through this idea of yoga psychology, of looking at life beyond the typical interaction we have through this physical body. And so then we go back to this question again, which is the main question of yoga, of life is who are we? And so we are this, we, we say we are this consciousness that's being illuminated through this experience. But what does that mean? And we have to understand really where we come from and where do we come from? And so in yoga, we, we talk about the creator, this, this creator who has created this existence. And if we go down this path and we subscribe to this idea, who are we then but this creative manifestation of the creator? We are creativity in its essence, right? We are the creative manifestation of the creator. And what does creativity do? What does a painting do? What does some artwork do? What does creativity do? It communicates. It expresses itself, right? Creativity is an expression. And what is this expression? We can say it's a nice painting or a, a nice sculpture. But then there's many people who say, well, I can't paint and I can't sculpt. So I'm not very creative. And how can this be possible if you are creativity in its essence? If you are this creative manifestation of the creator, you are creativity. How can it be possible that you're not creative? that you are unable to express yourself. And so then we have to understand what is creativity? Is there a way to find solutions? This is a use of creativity. But let's, let's look at the essence of creativity. And we can look at this through an example. When you make dinner for someone, you said, I made this dinner with love, right? We have this expression in Spanish too, right? What does this mean? What does it mean when you made dinner for someone with love? And how does that differ than the times that you didn't make dinner with love? Right. So what are you focused on? This, this idea of energy, we're focused on how we feel inside, this internal experience, and how this affects our external experience, how we affect our environment through what we're feeling and we're experiencing. And so when we're making dinner with love, we're thinking of how we feel about this person, how this person feels about us, and how this feeling is going to be represented in what we're doing, right? And so we arrange the plate in a particular way. We put flowers on the table. We cut the, the vegetables in a certain way. Whatever we do, we do this with the intention of this is a representation of how I feel at this moment in relationship to this person. 
And so we're being present. We're fully engaged in what we're doing. And we're allowing this to dictate how we create our environment. And so this idea of love is this idea of creative expression. And so we can look at these two words, creativity and love, and there is no separation between these two words. They are exactly the same. And this idea of putting love into something is really the essence of this creativity. And so you can clean your house with love or with creativity, or you can paint a picture, or you can cook dinner. You can do anything this way. And so it's not what you're doing. It's not necessarily a painting or, or some form of artwork, but it's how you're doing it. Are you connected to how you feel? And is this being represented in your environment? Are you personalizing it to how you feel? And if you go through life this way, it's much more enjoyable. Because then we look at the times that we're making dinner without love. We're in a hurry. We're just hungry. Where's the mind? It's not present. It's thinking about all the things I have to do later today, the things I have to do tomorrow, what happened earlier in the day. And how enjoyable is this process? How enjoyable is the meal? And this is like trying to enjoy a party that you're not at because you're not present. And so this idea of, of creativity, of love, is the idea of self-expression. And so then the next step, once we understand this idea of self-expression, is to look at what our form of self-expression is and how do we manifest this. And this is what is difficult for most people because they don't understand the connection to themselves and to the world around them. And we see ourselves very, even more and more these days, we see ourselves separate from nature. We live in these buildings. We're looking into the computer. We're doing all these things and we don't see ourselves as part of nature. We go and we see the animals, we see the, the grass, the trees, and we say this is nature, but we see ourselves separate from it because this is our, our we could say our experience, but it's also really our perspective. And this perspective is affecting the experience. It's creating the separation and creating this lack of understanding of the purpose. And so if we take this idea and look at nature and we say, what is the purpose of an apple tree? What is the purpose of an apple tree? To grow apples, right? And the difference between most of nature, well, all of nature and humans has only one difference. That apple tree can't wake up one day and say, I don't feel like getting out of bed and I don't feel like performing. I'm just going to not grow any apples today. It can't do it. It can't go against its true nature. As long as it's getting the sun and nutrients, it can't go against its nature. 
However, humans, we can go against our nature. And this is what's causing all the suffering in your life is going against your nature. You think about if you have a disagreement with someone and you're trying to solve some some conflict and that person isn't listening to you and they're not understanding you, how do you feel? It's frustrating, right? And so what do you do? You speak louder. And you start to get angry and you start to yell. And, and this is, is a feeling of, of not being heard. And then the opposite, if this person is listening to you and they're getting everything you're saying, how, how does this feel? And so if we look at, at our, our interactions with life, what makes us feel good and what takes us away from this feeling is really being able to express ourselves and being heard, being connected. And so, again, going back to this idea that we are this creative manifestation of the creator, we are creativity, and our idea is to, our purpose is to express ourselves. We have to find out how to express ourselves so that we are heard and so that we are in harmony with the nature around us, with the people around us. And what causes this to be out of balance? What is causing us to be disconnected? And we can say, well, it's my boss is not so good, or this government is terrible, or the place I live isn't working so well for me, or my partner is not getting along well. And so we look at all these external things, all these conflicts in life, and we say, this is the problem. If I had a different partner, if I had a different job, if I had a different government, I'd have no conflict. But we don't understand that all this conflict that you're having with yourself begins with the self. This is the resistance to your expression. And so going back for a moment to this, this idea of expression, it's this, this individual purpose that everyone has. We have, a, we have a collective purpose and we have an individual purpose. And we can say that this collective purpose is this harmony with nature and also to find this meaning of life, to find the truth, to find our connection to God, to this consciousness, to the supreme consciousness, whatever you'd like to call it. And so we have to try to figure out what is our purpose within the purpose of all the billions of people and all the millions of aspects of nature. And we think it's kind of strange that one person can have its own purpose and another person, its own purpose. We, we don't understand how this is possible. You know, there's a, there's an insect, a little mite that attacks this bean plant. And when it attacks the bean plant, the bean plant sends out a signal, a chemical signal that attracts another mite 
to the plant that kills the first mite, to protect the plant. And if you were to be able to speak to that second little mite that came to the plant, and you ask them, why did you decide to come to the plant today? You probably say, I just thought about it, and I felt like it, and I just went. He didn't know that he was being called to the plant. If we see this in nature at one time, it's probably happening in other places in nature. Why are you attracted to particular experiences? And you say, well, it was my idea, my decision. And when we look very closely, we realize that most of your ideas and decisions are not yours. They're influenced by your habit patterns. Right? Because in order to understand these habit patterns, we have to understand cause and effect. And most people don't understand cause and effect. And so if we go back to this idea of what it means to be authentic, and we understand how this instrument, the body and the mind, work together to guide us to this purpose of being authentic. So often people say that you can't judge someone based on the way they look, right? We hear this, you shouldn't judge someone based on the way they look. And that you can't judge someone based on the way they look, but this is untrue. You are exactly the way you look. Everyone is exactly the way they look. The problem is that when you look at someone and you try to understand how they are based on the way they look is you project your own psychology onto them. And so you don't see them accurately. It's corrupted by your own views, your own experiences. But if you're able to take away all these projections, it's very easy to see who people are because you are the physical manifestation of your psychology. The body is the vehicle that's manifested from your psychology. This is where all illness begins. All disease begins in the mind. What happens when you get angry? And someone says something that you react to. Someone says, oh, I don't like the way your clothes look or you're fat. What happens? When you get angry, what happens to the body? What's happening to the physical body when you get angry? How's your breath? Is it the same? No. How's it change? How's the heartbeat? Why? What's it reacting to? I'm sorry? The adrenaline. Emotions. Right. So first we have to to understand through the perspective, again, of yoga psychology, how the the body functions. Just a, a very basic understanding is that there's a life force that goes throughout the body and it animates the body. We call this life force prana. Right? Everything that's alive has this. When you eat food like vegetables, it has lots of prana. 
And so this prana is the energy that animates all the organs, all the body. When I go to pick something up, it's the energy that's sent to my muscles to, to, to flex. And in yoga, the better you can control this, this prana, the easier you, you can relax the body and relax the mind. But what the prana does is it circulates through the different channels of the body. There's 72,000 channels in the body and it's circulating through these channels and it's facilitating the movement of all the organs and of all, all the, the internal experience. And when you look at the body, we have to really understand what is this body. Right? We see this as flesh, as bones, as blood. But really, what is the body at its essence? It's a bunch of atoms being projected. It looks like a solid, but it's not solid. Just the same way as this floor looks solid, the walls look solid. Nothing's really solid. It's a bunch of atoms being projected so fast that it appears to be a solid. And if these atoms are being projected so fast, that means that they're causing a vibration. They're causing a sensation. And so that means that in every millimeter of your body, right at this exact moment, there's a sensation happening. Can you feel them all? You feel the strong pleasures, the strong pains, the pain in the neck, the shoulders, the big pleasures, but you don't feel all the subtle vibrations that are happening throughout the body. We've put a name to many of these sensations, we call them emotions, but really they're just feelings, just vibration, just feelings. And each feeling, each emotion is associated with a different aspect of the body. So for example, anger is associated with the, the, this area of the body, the heart center. And so when we start to get angry, this psychology, this, this, this mindset creates this sensation in the body of anger. And this sensation is a vibration that happens in this area. And it's a very dense vibration compared to the vibration of prana that flows through the body. And so it inhibits the prana from going to your heart and to your lungs. And so this vibration of anger is restricting the capacity of your lungs to expand. And it's restricting the flow of blood from your heart because it's not pumping properly. And so this is why the breath in the heart beat changes. And so then we have to ask, who is the victim of your anger? Right? Who's it affecting? It's harming yourself. And so what happens when you get angry? For some people, there's a reaction. Right? So they feel the sensation, they react. Every time I get angry, I yell at this person or I throw something or I hit someone or I, whatever it is, or I go in and, and be alone, I, whatever it is. There's some reaction, some behavioral reaction to this feeling. So now that if we look at this, it's a very simple, very coarse example, but we look at this example in other emotions, other feelings. 
and how is this affecting our behavior? How is this affecting the, the functioning of the body? And so if we look at the essence of this is we perceive something from one of your senses, right? You see something, you hear something, you taste something, you smell something, or you think something, feel something, and the mind reacts to it. It reacts and says, I like this, or it reacts and says, I don't like this. And it creates a feeling, a reaction, an emotion. And this emotion resides somewhere in the framework of the body. And then the body reacts with the behavior. This is your habit patterns. This is the resistance to your authenticity. And these happen on so many levels, most of them being very unconscious that you don't even recognize it's happening. You don't feel the sensation, but your body and your mind are reacting to it. Why can't you sit still? Why do you move when there's no reason to move? Have you tried to meditate and you can't sit still? Why is that? Or even just sitting and talking without moving your hands, without move, tapping your foot, why, why are you doing this? To escape. Because the vibration of movement is a very coarse vibration compared to the vibration of an unconscious thought that's coming up. And so what we do is we move to distract ourselves from hearing what's really happening. Right? Look at the extreme case of this, someone who's very neurotic. What do they have difficulty doing? How still can they be? How quiet can they be? It's very difficult. Why? Because they're trying to drown out all the, the things coming up from the unconscious. This is why we tap the foot, why we move all these things, is because we are unable to be at peace with all these vibrations. And we say, well, I don't feel them. The conscious mind doesn't, but the unconscious feels all of them and is reacting to them. And we react to them in many ways by unnecessary movement through eating when we're not hungry, drugs, alcohol, all these distractions are to change the sensations within the body because we don't like what they represent. And so what we need to do is to learn how, that they're, how they are affecting your capacity to be authentic. And we think about what it means to be authentic. What it means to reach your potential. And what is your potential? What does it mean to reach your potential? We hear this a lot, right? Growing up, you need to reach your potential. You need to achieve. What is it? Is it? It's not what we think it is. It's not this finite point that once we achieve it, we're there and we've accomplished it. But what your potential is, is rather a condition. It's a condition where there is no more resistance to the self. There is no more response to all these sensations that you're free because we think freedom is in movement. 
but really freedom is in stillness. When you're able to be still and not respond to all the turmoil within the body, within the life, this is freedom. Freedom is in the stillness of not reacting, of acting through your authentic nature, through being able to connect to what you're doing like we did when we were cooking dinner with with love but to do this in all of your life but you can't right you can do this in these moments of life but then in the other moments the feelings are so strong you're reacting to them the anxiety is taking you out of the present moment the fear the worry the sadness, the anger, all these things are taking you out of the moment from being authentic. And then we look at it as this external problem. And this is how we create this life of disease of suffering, right? Going back to this example of the anger. So the anger goes away after an hour, a day, a week, whatever it is for you. And a little residual imprint of this emotion stays here. And if this is a habitual pattern for you, this will stay there longer and longer and it'll start to affect the operation of the heart and of the lungs and eventually the liver. So if you continue this habit pattern, This is where disease comes from, heart disease, where difficulties with the the lungs and with liver trouble. And so this is how you're creating the illness in your body is by not taking care of what's really happening in the psychology, in this reaction. And so this, this physical manifestation of it is telling you that you need to look at this because you're not looking at it. And if you avoid it, this is where this comes from. And so we can heal ourselves before it begins to understand I can feel this anger, I can feel what it's doing to me, and I can see that my reaction to life is, is perpetuating it. Because you don't realize that these behaviors, these reactions are what's keeping you tied to your karma. This is what's keeping you tied to these habit patterns. Is your resistance to them is what's keeping you tied to them. We have an experience where we feel disconnected from people. We feel they don't understand us. And so what do we do is we say, I'm going to just be alone then. We withdraw from our group of friends or we withdraw from people at work. And this reaction to this feeling, is it going to bring you closer to people? No, it's it's doing what you don't want to happen. It's making it happen. Because you don't want to feel disconnected, but you're feeling disconnected. And so your punishment to the other people is I'm going to withdraw. Your punishment to yourself is I'm going to withdraw. And now you're perpetuating this issue. And this is how all your karma continues, is by your reaction to it, your resistance to it, instead of accepting it, and say, I'm not going to react to it. I'm going to be present, and I'm not going to react. 
But this is very difficult because these feelings sometimes are very strong. And why are these feelings so strong? And what are the roles of what we call emotions or feeling? What is the purpose of them? This we don't understand. We think it's just a burden, something we can take away with some pills or some some drugs or something like this. But what is the purpose of these emotions? So now imagine that someone calls me fat. I know I'm not fat. I have no emotional reaction. I don't get angry. I don't get sad. I may think this person is strange. Why are they saying that? But I have no emotional reaction. But now let's imagine I'm not eating right. I'm not taking care of myself. I'm not exercising. Maybe I even weigh the same exact amount I weigh now. And someone calls me fat. How do I react? Maybe I'm a little hurt. Maybe I'm angry. Maybe I'm self-conscious. The question is, why in one instance it has no effect on me, in the other it does? Was this person worse that said it one time than the other time? It has nothing to do with the peop- what the people are, are, are saying or doing. It has nothing to do with them. It has to do with how I feel about myself. How I feel about myself is how I react to the stimulus outside. Because it's, it's, it's the thing that's going to get me to look at something about myself. And so when you feel one of these emotions or these feelings very strongly, what it's saying is that there's something about you that you're not taking care of, that you're not looking at properly, and that you're judging. It has nothing to do with the external, has nothing to do, not that this person is a nice person or a good person. This is not important. What's important is my reaction. Right? Because you can't control what people are saying or doing, and you shouldn't try to. But what you need to be aware of is your reaction to it. And why are you reacting? And we can say, well, I'm triggered. Or what are the words they're using? The safe spaces. I need a safe space. But really, it has nothing to do with the silliness. What it's about is that there's something about myself I'm, I'm looking at improperly, and I'm judging, and I'm saying, I don't like this aspect of myself. And we go back to this idea of of self-expression and connecting to how we feel. And we can think about all these feelings that are happening within us, all this vibration, and our connection to it is what allows us to express ourselves, right? What do we call a creative block is a disconnection, a numbness. The opposite is, is this connection to ourselves. This is where creativity comes from is the connection. Not just the connection of emotions, but the connection to all the vibrations. Because all these vibrations are just the, the manifestation in this form of God, of this expression. And the more we are connected to ourselves, the more we're able to express this infinite idea. And this is why your potential has no limits, because it's connecting to the infinite without resistance. And so when you're connecting and you're saying, oh, I don't like this aspect of myself. I want to hide this behind me. I don't like this about myself. I don't want to talk about it or think about it. What you're doing is you're taking away colors 
that you can be used that can be used to paint your picture of life. So you're removing aspects of your creativity with all the self-judgment. You're removing your potential to express yourself. The deeper this connection you have with yourself, the more expressive you're able to be, the more creative you're able to be. And so this idea that you react to these things is, is a way to look at yourself to see that there's something that's not working with the way you're, you're perceiving yourself. And so then we have to say, well, how do we fix this? How do we heal the self so that we're not reacting? That we're not corrupted by this feeling, this sensation, this emotion, this judgment? What's the opposite of judgment? It's acceptance. When we judge, we separate. When we accept, we embrace. And so acceptance creates the space for understanding. When you judge something, you'll never understand it truly. It's impossible. And if you don't believe me, go look on TV and look at all this hate and this judgment. And, and, and their arguments are so illogical. They're so in, in, incorrect because they don't truly understand what they're talking about. But if you accept something... You bring yourself closer to it. You're able to, to see it from this, this neutral mind. Right? We call in yoga shunya, which is the neutral space, the non-reactive space, where we see things without judgment. And so this is what's necessary to understand yourself. And so we can go back to this idea of what is the purpose of life and it's to express yourself. And what is the real goal to the purpose to life is in, in yogic terms is self-realization, to realize the essence of, of, of yourself. And when we talk about self-realization, it's a very abstract idea, right? Realize yourself, go do it and come back. How do we begin? Where do we go? But if we understand self-expression is the path to self-realization, how is this possible? Think about anything you want to do. I want to build a table. I want to start a business. I want to do this at work. Whatever it is that you want to do. And what is preventing you from doing it? What is preventing you? We say, oh, it's my boss or it's my partner, my family. Uh, no. It's something inside of you that you're not dealing with from expressing yourself without judgment. And so this whole process of self-expression is really the process to self-realization because to continue down this path, you have to remove the resistance to your self-expression. You have to remove the obstacles that are distracting your expression that are obstructing your expression and as you go down this path you start to realize aspects of yourself you start to remove these tendencies 
you start to remove these reactions and what's left when there's no more habit patterns there's no more karma what is left when all the vibrations of all these feelings and emotions are gone what's left but the self the true self and then we're able to see this self and this this direction this path is the path of love the more you realize yourself the more love you express in everything you do the kinder you are to people the more attention you you take to creating your surroundings in life to creating your life the more present you are and while words are just close approximations of experience it's important to articulate the experiences precise as possible to truly understand it an example of this is is how people approach life and they say well my life is not going good because i need more discipline i have no discipline but what is discipline what does it mean to to take this approach What is discipline? No one here's experienced it or what? I'm sorry? Yeah, a little bit. But but who who who's it, who's it controlling? Yeah? Uh, I'm sorry? So so we can say it's it's both of these so we can say what is it but it, it it's a it's a conflict discipline is a conflict between one tendency and another tendency so again louder okay this is what it appears to be exactly what you said it appears to be i have this one tendency and i want this tendency but is this really what what it is Yeah. This is a closer definition, but let, let me pose the question. Have you ever needed discipline to do something that's bad for you? No. Why not? this seems like a very easy question what why don't you need discipline to do something that's bad for you yet you need discipline to do things that are good for you doesn't that seem odd it's from my wish something i want and i do the bad habits or the good ones the bad ones something i want to do i just do it is it, is it yeah again we we go back to this idea of I, something i wanted to do and i would say that your bad habits are are not what you wanted to do but what is the reaction from the psychological manifestation of them right because it's not good for you and so why is it why do we need discipline for doing things that are good for us but not for things that are bad for us yeah 
because the, the battle for discipline is really not a battle between one tendency of wanting to do one thing and a tendency to do something else. The real battle is the battle of love, of self-love. That's all it is. It has nothing to do with anything else. Because if it didn't, you would need discipline to do at least one bad thing in your life. But yet you don't. It comes very easy. And when does it come the easiest is when you're not feeling good about yourself. Right? When are we harming ourselves the most? When you feel good or when you feel bad? When you feel bad, right? Something happens and we feel very emotional, so we try to distract ourselves through eating when we're not hungry or drugs, alcohol, uh, television, sleeping, whatever the thing may be. Because we're trying to distract ourselves from this feeling of not liking ourselves because we don't feel good about ourselves. And so discipline is really a, a proxy fight for self-love and also for you don't need discipline if you love yourself and if you understand cause and effect right if i told you if you're walking down the sidewalk and every time you step off the sidewalk you will get an electric shock that will be very painful how much discipline do you need to not step off the sidewalk? None. Because you immediately feel the effect. So that cause and effect, and also because you say, oh, I love myself, I don't want to harm myself. There are some people who say, I'll try it to see how it feels because they're not so happy with themselves. But we can visually and, and instantly see cause and effect. Yet I look around and I see people still drinking Coca-Cola or doing these things and, and they don't realize they're, they're harming themselves. And so either they lack understanding or they lack the capacity to see cause and effect. Right? And we can look at the simple example of drinking a Coca-Cola. There's not one health benefit from drinking it. Nothing. One, not one nutrient uh, quality, uh, nutritional quality in drinking it. In fact, it has the opposite, right? Diabetes. Not to mention, there's literally poison in the stuff or, or chemicals in the stuff that is poisoning your body. And if you're drinking it, one, you don't see the cause and effect because there now we have the internet. We understand that this is harmful. But because you're living in a particular way, you can't feel the effects. If you stop drinking it for a month and have one glass, you'll see the effects because your body will be clean. You'll say, wow. And then if you say, well, I love myself, why am I harming myself? Why? Oh, not necessarily. I, I think this is a different case, and it's a case-by-case -case basis. I, I, I would have to see the sport. If it's someone who's just running their head into a wall to see what happens, I would say, hey, you, and you see people, there's TV shows doing this, right? What? Jack 
Yeah. You think, and you, if you investigate those people, you see the addiction in their life and you see the self hatred. But the sporting, this is a little more complex because we're talking about, you know, maybe there's some technique, maybe there's some, some, something deeper than this. So it's hard to put a, a blanket statement on that. But if we look at our lives and we, we look at how we're interacting with our life and we see if we're harming ourselves, what we're saying is, I'm not happy with the way I feel. And the cleaner your life is, the more you will notice when you introduce something that, that isn't so healthy. And, and they've done studies. In, in the New York school system, they gave the, the children a standardized test. Then they took out all the, the preservatives and the food colorings from the, the school food for three months. I think it was three months. And they retook the test and their scores went up 26%. And we have to understand what we're doing to ourselves, how we're harming ourselves. And we have to look at this in a, in a very truthful way. And I'm not saying that everything is good or bad, but there, when it's harming yourself, it's taking away from your capacity to be present, from your capacity to express yourself, from your capacity to feel the truth this true vibration within, then this is causing suffering. And, and it doesn't have to be any external circumstance, uh, any external uh, cause or, or thing, anything tangible. It could be just a thought and you're making yourself suffer through thinking. Right. Think about this. You, you have a disagreement with your partner, an argument with a friend or a coworker or whatever it is, the rest of the day you're replaying this argument in your mind. And you're saying, oh, I should have said this when they said that. Uh, next time when I say this, I'm going to say that and I'll show them that they were wrong and I'm right. And, and we do this for how long? For all day, for an hour, for weeks. Next time I, I'm never talking to this person again, but next time I, I get in this confrontation, I will say this and I'll say that. What is this madness? Why are we thinking this? What is it doing for us? What is the purpose of it? And it's just like a drug, right? You had some disagreement or some conflict or confrontation with someone and you felt that they got better, the best of you. You feel weak because you feel they got the upper hand. And so you're replaying this argument in your mind to make yourself feel better physically because it's releasing chemicals into the body. The same thing with imagining of I'm not at work, I'm at the beach and all this. Is, it's releasing these, these chemicals within the body to make you feel differently. This is an addiction, right? It's an addiction that everyone has. How many of these conversations are you playing in your, your mind? And what are you addicted to but the sensation that they're, they're creating? Because you just can't let it go and accept this is just what happened. But your ego won't let you because, oh, how can this person get the best of me and I'm smarter than them and they just don't know it and I was unable to say it because I wasn't prepared and all, all these excuses and all these things to change the way you're feeling. You don't need to add any external Coca-Cola or anything. This, you're harming your body. 
you're playing games with these chemicals, with the vibration, trying to change the way this vibration is happening. Instead of just having a quiet mind. And so you're creating all this. I think also the mind played this game to try to accept something that you really don't accept. All right. Something do something for me and this hurts me. And internally I say, no, I have to accept. I have to accept, no? But really I did. I don't accept. And I, I don't know if I repre- repress mm-hmm. this emotion in me, no? Right. And sometimes how to recognize when I repress this emotion or I really uh, accept this situation, no? Yeah. Well, this this is the question of, of learning to tune yourself into what am I reacting and how is this, 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 you know, what we're talking about is free will. How do we know when we're experiencing free will and what is free will? And this is another concept that, that most people don't truly understand because there's some people say free will is whatever you decide with your mind. Right, someone here said, "Oh, I made this earlier." Said, "I made this decision; it's my decision." And I said, "Well, not all your decisions are yours." And then there's some people say, "You have no free will; you're the conditioned by the 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 summation of all your experiences, and and if you're even more spiritual of your last lifetime's experiences and all these things." But they're both true and false at the same time. And it's it, free will is actually very something very easy to to understand and to help illuminate these habit patterns, even though you don't recognize that they're habit patterns. And we go back to what is the purpose of life? Is this self-expression? And what is your individual purpose? Is to find the most complete way to express yourself. That when you do it, you feel there's no other way I could have said this idea or expressed this idea. Right? If I draw a picture, I'm okay, I can draw it. But when I'm done, I look at it and I say, yeah, it's not everything I was feeling. There's more I was feeling that I couldn't express in this, this, this form of expression. But when I write or when I speak and I'm done, I feel, no, there's no other way I could have expressed this idea. I feel complete. And for everyone, this is different. It's a different, it's different qualities that they have. It's a different experience for some people. It could be being a, a teacher. Some people it could be being a cook or it could be just being a janitor. It's not what you do, but it's how you do it, using certain qualities that are very well uh, learned from you in past lives. And when you express these qualities without resistance, you feel complete. And so this is the purpose of life is to to learn what these qualities are and get closer to to expressing them and going back to free will then what is free will and most people are are looking at free will from the perspective of either the mind or the body and it's neither because like i i began by saying you are not the mind and you are not the body and so this this idea of free will Let's look at it from the perspective of your consciousness. And what is the consciousness here to do but to recognize itself, to express itself? 
And so when we look at free will from this perspective, we say anything that brings us closer to this is free will. Anything that doesn't is a distraction, is a habit. And, and, and this is the other idea in, in Buddhism. We say emptiness, that nothing has value but the value you give to it. And so we can say, okay, there's nothing wrong with going out at night and going dancing with your friends and enjoying your life. Right? And we can say, oh, it's free will. I made this decision. I decided to go out and, and go out and have a good time and meet my friends and, and do this. And we can say, well, is this bringing you closer to your purpose? Well, we can say, yeah, I'm learning how to connect on a deeper level with my friends. Maybe I'm getting some physical energy to connect to my body. I'm doing some things that are, are, are healthy for myself. Relaxing the mind because it's so stressed at work and life. But now let's say that I'm doing this every day. And I say, well, what is, is this getting me closer to myself now? Or is it getting me further away? Because now I'm so distracted, I can't do the things I really should be doing. It's an avoidance now. So the one activity in one instance is something that's bringing me closer. But then in another, it's, it's distracting me. It's getting in the way. And so we have to look at all these things in our life and say, is this getting me closer to being authentic? Or is it getting me, taking me away from it? And if it's taking me away, this is not free will. It's some habit pattern, some reaction to something, whether it's the ego or some experience. And it's, it's taking you away from recognizing your true self. Because the, the true self will not react to this. And, and so this is what you have to ask yourself. What, I, what I'm doing right now, is this bring me closer to recognizing myself or... or, or to expressing myself more completely, or is it taking me away from this? And you'll see all the habit patterns that are taking you away. Eating when you're not hungry, or doing whatever it is that you're doing, you'll see that, why am I doing this now? What, what, what is good is this doing me? And if you look at all your behaviors this way, you'll start to see all the distractions in life. And the, the mind is very clever, it makes excuses. So, I don't feel like going to a yoga class today or going to the gym. I, I, I don't feel like it because, oh, I had a hard day or whatever the excuse the mind starts to make. Oh, you have this to do when you get home and you have this to do. Um, but they're just excuses that the mind creates. to keep you distracted from doing these things because you don't want to, to be present with this, right? Even people who are smoking cigarettes or biting their nails, what is this but a distraction from some a feeling? It's, it's a behavior that creates a vibration that is more, is louder than the sensation of the feelings that you're experiencing. So it's suppressing them. This is what we call suppressing them. But this behavior is perpetuating the habit patterns. And so we have to look at what is the cure for all this illness, all this suffering. And it's just love. It's very simple. Because it's happening right now in your life. 
without you be, being aware of this, right? We arrive in the place in life that we feel we deserve. Think about that. And you may think, well, I deserve to have a big house and be rich. And this is what your conscious mind is saying, but your unconscious that's reacting to all these habit patterns and all these self-doubts and all this judgment doesn't believe this. You know, when we look at your life, all your decisions are what is showing how you feel about yourself. And when I talk about a successful life, it's not necessarily uh, an economic thing. It can be, but it's it's really just the relationships in your life or whatever you deem successful. In some aspects, you may feel I deserve to have a, a good uh, life in this realm, but in other realms, I don't deserve it. And you're doing this through your actions, through what you are tolerating. Right? We look at an extreme example is imagine a, a woman who's being abused by her partner and she continues to go back to him. And what does she say? Well, he loves me and I love him. And But what is really going on there? What is the real dynamic of this, this, this experience? is that at some point in this life or past lives, this woman had a traumatic experience which devalued her. And she continues to participate in this because she feels at some level she deserves it. And so she keeps going back. Because now imagine someone who had no trauma in their life and their partner tried to abuse them. What would that person react and say, whoa, I'm not participating in this. I'm out of here. They wouldn't care of how much this person loved them or how much I loved them. It's over. And this person would not tolerate this. And so this is how we start to see in this very coarse example how what you tolerate is an indication or representation of how you feel about yourself. If you have a living situation or you have a, some situation in life that is not what you want, you have to understand you created by your reactions to things and, and by what you tolerate. Right? You may think, oh, I, I deserve more money at work. And then you want to ask the boss for a raise and you're nervous. I'm afraid, I don't know what they're going to say and, and, and you create all this emotion and so it's very difficult for you. Maybe you don't even do it. Why? Because you don't feel you deserve it. If you felt you deserved more money, you would go in there confidently and you'd say, listen, I'm not being paid adequately for my services and it's okay if you don't pay it because I deserve it. It'll be easy for me to find somewhere else. But because you don't really believe this, it's difficult and you may be in a relationship and say, oh, the partner's better than the last partner and we get along okay and it's all right. What you're really saying is, this is what I deserve. Oh, my living situation isn't so great, but it's, it's okay. This is what I deserve. 
and and whatever you accept is what you feel you deserve because i don't care how bad the job market is if you felt you deserved a better job you would find it or how difficult it is to find a partner if you really believed you deserved a healthier relationship you would find it and so it has nothing to do with the external it's all the internal and we see this, and 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 you can see this in people who are famous, who become famous very fast, and then they wind up sabotaging their life through drugs and alcohol and lose all their money. And why are they doing this? Because they achieved the success so fast that they don't feel they deserved it. And so they have to find a way to balance this out. You see this with lottery winners. They always wind up going back to work because they lose all the money. They they didn't earn it. They didn't believe they deserved it, so they didn't get it the right way. And so this is a thing you have to look at in your life and say, why am I at this point in life? What decisions have I made and what things have I accepted to be standing here right at this moment? And then to say, I deserve better. And then to make or to, to, to take the actions that dictate this. Because right now what you're doing is you're reacting to all the feelings and all the feelings are, are telling you you don't deserve this. And you're unable to separate yourself from these vibrations, from these feelings. Because you think, if I feel something, this is me, I have to react to it. Right? If I'm reacting to the sensation because it's so strong, what you're doing is you're identifying with something that's false, something that's not you. And you're saying, this is me. And I'm, you may say, oh, I'm not my mind and I'm not my body, but you're reacting to the body, you're reacting to the mind. You don't really understand this. And this is what's creating the suffering is this reaction to it. And so you keep reacting, you keep reacting, and, and you accept, and, and you make choices. And these choices are, are what is influencing your entire life. And this is the thing about self-realization is to recognize these and then remove this resistance. So often what people do is they start to say, well, when I feel better about myself, then I'll take this action. Then I start to do this. When I feel better about myself, and they wait for the feelings in the body to change, for the action to then change. And it doesn't work this way. And so what is necessary is to change the behavior and this will change the feelings. Yes? Is it always a solution to change jobs or partners or friends? Well, I mean, without knowing the information about your experience or, or someone's particular experience, it's hard to say. But what I'm saying is, what what is what what is what would everyone consider a successful relationship? Right, and so so what I would say is. I'm not saying that anyone should leave the relationship or stay in the relationship. What I'm saying is, is there a way to make this this relationship? And if not, then you need to leave. But if if the, there is 
no way to change this and you're in there and that person, that partner is not changing, what are you doing? Right. I mean, I, I've met people who are in a marriage for 30, 40 years and 20 years of it, they hated it and they didn't leave. And so why, why can you make it better? Oh, this person is an alcoholic or this person has some trouble and they don't want to do anything. And then the question is, why are you staying? Is because that person feels they deserve to suffer in this instance, in this situation. And they, so it just depends on what is causing the situation and how to, maybe you're the cause of the imbalance in the relationship because you're not expressing how you truly feel. You're withdrawing in the relationship. You're not being present. And maybe it would be healed this relationship if you just opened up and became more vulnerable. So it just depends, but it's what is causing this and what decisions did I make to get to here and, and what am I tolerating? And, and so this is not just the toleration of what other people are doing, but what you are also doing. What are we tolerating from ourselves? You know, how often do you feel that there's more that I could be doing Yet I'm not doing it. I'm finding ways to distract myself. I'm tolerating myself, not really fighting for what I want in life. And I mean, how often, you know, I used to, to work in the, the corporate world. And, and when I left, I remember the day everyone said, oh, I wish I could do what you're doing. And I, uh, why can't you? Oh, I have this responsibility. I have this. I don't why can't you make this decision for yourself? Is because they don't feel they deserve it in some way. They feel that they deserve this image. And, and, and often we're conditioned by the culture, by, by all different things. And so it becomes even more difficult to break out of it because we don't know how to perceive ourselves differently. Right? And when we talk about this, what we're really talking about is self-perception. Because your life is hindered by your self express or your self perception. You look into the mirror and you see yourself a particular way. I'm too short. I am not smart. I, whatever it is that you you perceive yourself, and then you behave based on this perception, right? Based on the feelings that this perception creates. And so what we're talking about in change, we're just talking about a, a change of perception. And this is why all these ideas of all your suffering can be changed overnight. It, there's no long process. The long process comes is when you identify with these feelings so strongly that you have difficulty letting go of them. You know, all this idea of who you think you are is preventing you from seeing who you are. And the less of a grip you have on the, these ideas of who you are or who you think you are, the more open you'll be to, to see who you really are. But your ego won't allow this because it has too much fear. It has too tight of a grip. This whole, this whole process I'm telling you is to find something you want to do that, that you feel a way to express yourself and look at what the obstacles are. And one by one, remove these obstacles and what's left. And these obstacles are the resistance. 
And what's left us after this resistance? Who's left? And this is how you figure out who you are. Is who's remi- what, what is remaining after all these resistance is gone? And step by step, you start to recognize more things about yourself because you remove a little aspect of the resistance. And, and it's also, we, we, we start to think that, okay, when I do this activity, I have this problem. When I do this activity in this relationship, I have this problem. But it's, it's untrue again, because how you do one thing is how you do everything. And once you master one thing, you'll see everything becomes very much easier. And so the way to realize the self is to continue to remove the resistance. I imagine, uh, maybe I'm wrong, but I imagine this resist- resistance like a, a judgment. I try to be the person I would like to be, and I feel uh, judged by uh, any work, family, or whatever. What if uh, then I arrive at the point mm-hmm. I, I, I want to fight for uh, finding my true self and I don't care anymore about the judgment and I became this kind of uh, uh, I don't feel anything because I want to uh, pursue this uh, um, state, this quietness Mm -hmm. and then I don't care about anything else because it's only me yeah well the first thing is when you're saying that the people are judging you, this is not where the problem begins. The problem begins with self-judgment. How people judge you has nothing to do with you. Just like when I give the example of when someone calls me fat, I have no emotional reaction. I don't change my behavior. I just think it's strange that they're saying this. But if I'm not taking care of myself, I weigh the same amount. They call me fat. I have a reaction. And so what is the reaction but my self-judgment? And so all judgment begins with the self. It has nothing to do with the external. The external is just the mirror to show back what's happening within. So then your judgment is the only one that counts, that still have to count for you. (laughs) If I think I'm doing the right thing and I judge myself in this way, like, it's okay, I feel good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, why does someone else's judgment affect you? No, no, that's the case. When uh, you reach the point that mm-hmm. you don't care about what people say because you are, you say, I, I know I can be happy in this way. I feel all right. Like the example you did, you are fat. I feel I'm all right. Uh, I accept this mm-hmm. and then I don't care about people's judgment. Yeah, well, the way you're phrasing it, the one thing that uh, I I would caution to is it's not as much of caring about other people's judgment as it is understanding your own judgment. Because I I can live in a very calloused way and also a very disconnected way and say, whatever anyone says, I don't care. And and we see this all, all, all the time, but yet the people are reacting to it in different ways. So this isn't really the solution. It's not about not rea- feeling what people are saying about the judgment. The, 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 the solution is to see what you're feeling and why you're feeling it and not to react to it. And so this is the part of, of breaking this habit pattern is, is, is 
Imagine you have to give a speech in front of a group of people and you have fear, right? Because you feel, oh, I'm going to be judged or whatever you want to, to but you have fear of getting up there and, and you can do one of two things. You can say, this fear is so strong, I'm running away. And then the next time you have to give a speech, it becomes even more difficult because you, now you've ended, identified with this fear and with when I get afraid, I run away. But now let's imagine you have this fear and you say, okay, I have the fear and there's nothing wrong with the fear. I can feel it in my stomach. I feel it in my throat. There's nothing wrong with it. I accept it. However, I'm not going to react to it. I'm not going to let it take me away from getting up and speaking in front of people. So I'm going to go and I'm going to, to get up and I'm going to speak. Even if I feel the fear, I'm going to continue. And it may go poorly. It may go good. But now I've loosened the grip of this fear. And what have I loosened the grip to is this identification with the fear. And the next time that identification is a little easier to, to not react to. And this is how you break, well, this is how most people break this identification is, is by not reacting to the feeling that's causing a particular behavior. So I can have this feel, feeling of anger but I'm not going to yell at this person. I'm not going to react. I'm just going to be nice and calm. And, and I can feel it in my chest. I feel my heart beating. I feel this. And I'm not resisting it. I'm allowing myself. There's nothing wrong with feeling anger. Nothing. And I'm going to feel it. And then I'm going to try to understand what is this feeling trying to get me to do or not do? Well, the impulse from this feeling is to yell at this person or to be angry or to hit this person, whatever it is. Okay, now with the mind, what is the right thing to do? Well, the right thing to do is to just be kind. This person is ignorant. They don't know what they're saying. It's okay. Have love for them and then behave this way. And so the first thing is to identify the feeling, then identify what this feeling is causing you to want to do or not do. And then with the mind, what is the right thing to do? And it becomes very simple if you can look at everything this way. Then every decision in your life becomes very easy and you're fully connected to it emotionally and mentally. Because what is its opposite? The opposite is to be impulsive and to react with the, the emotion. And how balanced of a life do you have if you do this? Or repress it or to then use just the mind without the connection to the emotions and it becomes an intellectual exercise that you're disconnected from the decision and you're very cold and, and not connected to. And so the right thing to do is to learn how to use the mind and the emotions together, the mind and the heart, to say, I feel this and this feeling is causing me to want to do this or not do this. And then with the mind, what is the right thing to do? And then you do this. And this loosens this identification. This is true understanding of I'm not this mind and not this body. Because all these emotions come and go. And you have to just let go of them and not identify with them. So then it's about acting and not reacting. Exactly. It's to learn to act from the, 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 the position of love. Right? What did I say is that your whole purpose in life is to express creativity, express love. And if you can't do that, there is some resistance within yourself, not externally. So I think we're finishing up, right? We have any, I'll take any questions if anyone has any other questions.
No. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. I'd like to tell you about Sing Flutes. These are flutes that are made by me. They're handcrafted Native American-style flutes designed for sound healing. The flutes are tuned to the frequency of 432 hertz, the harmonic intonation of nature. The fundamental note of each flute is in a key to vibrate a particular chakra. Whether you are playing for others or yourself, listening to 432 hertz music resonates inside the body. In fact, they did a medical study where they hooked people up to a brain and heart monitor and played different instruments to them. The Native American-style flute had the most impact in relaxing them. If you're a yoga teacher, it's a great instrument to incorporate into your classes. What I do is I have an app on my iPad that has the sounds of nature, and I'll put on the sounds of rain and play over this to the students at the end of the class. It's a very intuitive instrument to play. There's no musical knowledge necessary to get started. Each flute is unique since they're handmade. I put different artwork on them. I put mantras on them related to the chakras that they're tuned to. So go check them out at singflutes.com, S-I-N-G-H-F-L-U-T-E-S.com. Use the discount code, the story of me podcast and get 10% off. Thank you for joining me today. I hope you enjoyed the program. And please help me get the word out by sharing this podcast with your friends. You can also go to iTunes and rate and review it, which also helps. And if you like, you can make a donation. Go to the storyofmepodcast.com and on the contact page, there's a donate button and help support the expenses of the program. Until the next time, from the podcast that awakens your inner power through awareness and understanding, allow love to be the current that carries your words and actions. Wow.